Welcome to Burning Metal, Black Metal, this is your host and Forge Master G Metal, and we have a great guest on this great episode. It is Teresa Murr. Teresa Murr is an author, coach, and speaker. She recently published The Art of Assisting Age, Aging Parents, Discover the Journey of Honor, of to honor your parents, create treasured memories, live life to the fullest, Based on the 35-year uh, live live life that based on the 35-year career as a physical therapist and experience caring for a band. During the uh, okay, um, Teresa, would you like to um, fill in any uh, any other gaps on that one? Um, sure, and thank you, Glenn, for having me today. I'm I'm very very honored to be here. Um, yeah, I have been a physical therapist for 35 years, and um, along the course of my therapy routine, I came across uh, multidisciplinary group therapy, and that really opened my world up as a creative. I, I'm a creative person, and you know, the physical therapy was wonderful. It really fulfilled my needs as a person to um, use the you know the science that I loved, and I also wanted to help people. But I just found it many many times to be not a real creative type of profession. So when I found this um, group therapy, it really opened up my world. And I, I wrote up a method and I kind of formed a method for our patients and I used it in facilities. And um, then, you know, about 13 years later, I decided to write a book about it. And I put it into my book, The Art of Assisting Aging Parents. So I help caregivers and I help the aging in, in that regard. I help them to age well and to take care of themselves. And also I am now teaching therapists like physical therapists, occupational therapists and speech therapists, among other health professionals, how to use group therapy in their in their daily work to um, promote really good outcomes with patients. And also it helps them to um, increase their revenue and their productivity. Activity. So th those are the things I'm focused on right now. Oh, okay, okay. So, um, so first question: How does group? If you could elaborate on how group therapy um allows you to uh be more creative, like uh the group the group therapy sessions. Sure. Yes. Yeah. What's interesting about the group therapy sessions is that um sometimes we we work together as therapists, um, Pete, like physical therapy and occupational therapists, and. Um, we bring a group together and we set up like therapeutic activities for them. And this could mean, you know, it could be some games or it could be a cooking, uh, episode or we, I have one for painting. And, um, we also have, um, you know, different, like sometimes we'll, we'll even play games and things like that. But what it does when you put people together in these face to face interactions, um, they kind of build their own, they kind of take over as a group and they build their own experience. And we set it up for them to learn during these experiences and also to have that face-to-face -face interaction. And what we're finding out right now, especially during this time of social isolation, is that social isolation really does kill us. And um, it has been proven that it, um, you know, is, is, a, is a cause of inflammation in the body, in the brain. And Again, this leading to chronic illnesses and diseases that um, people, um, you know, are are faced with, and it, it just brings their health down. Um, and it also causes depression. So, um, you know, when you put put the put people together, they have a you know a sense of camaraderie. Um, there might be even a little bit of competition between them. And um, I kind of liken this to like a football team, like a football team, you know, they can't just lift weight and they can't just watch film and then and maybe even do some practicing and then go out there and win a game. You know, um, it takes that uh, game situation where you're face to face, you know, with people and actually even your opponents um, to, you know, figure out strategies and learn how to move your body the correct way and things like that. So, um, you know, this we're finding out that this group interaction has um, so many health benefits to it. And that's why I like to use it and why I like to teach about it. Okay. So would you say that group interactions, I mean, not just psychologically, but you're impl 
You're also saying that gubernatorial actions help us physically? Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. Um, people tend to get into a little bit of a competitive or their the competitive spirit comes out and they try a little bit harder when they're, you know, with their peers. And if you can imagine yourself going out to exercise with, with your peers, you know, you might all, you know, work on some stretching before you, you know, would take a run. Or uh, before you play a game, you're going to warm up and, and do some exercises. Um, but if you're just on your own, I think it's a lot harder to uh, get the motivation to go out and do these things, possibly on your own. And also, if you're in a group of people, you're kind of held accountable for what you're doing. And I think people just tend to do a little bit more. They try a little bit harder to get, get the job done. That that totally makes sense. Just in a general rule of thumb, that would jo- totally make sense. Like you try harder in front of uh, your friends or your mm-hmm. own like if you're on a team that's why i'm assuming that's why team sports has so many uh group activities just to bond with between themselves mm-hmm. yes yes yeah and i i think people you know there's something about strength and numbers and you can even see this in the home situation where um, if you're cooking a meal or something, if somebody comes in to help you, you know, it just makes it more fun. It always helps when there's more hands around to help with activities. Um, I know, you know, I live in Iowa where we get a lot of snow. And about, even like a month ago, we had to shovel the driveway. And, you know, and especially at our ages now, um, you know, when my husband and I go out and shovel together, it, it makes it so much more more easy and, you know, um, you you know, it it just makes the whole di- the whole activity, you know, just sets the stage for better better outcomes, you know, and that's what we're finding with our patient too. And you know, you can kind of turn it into a mastermind activity when you have more than one person uh, doing an activity. You know, the whole group will start to form solutions to problems, and um, you know, you learn from your peers. And sometimes as therapists, um, a lot of people, you know, not a lot but a few people will say, I don't want to do physical therapy or I, I don't want to do occupational therapy. I'm just not interested. But if you put a group group together and they start working together, um, they, they, they get this feedback from each other and they try to help each other. So it really makes it into a really good therapeutic activity that no that i that totally makes sense it's it's kind of crazy to think about it because i mean you study it and more or less we live it and it's just one of those things where as someone who's not in your field i i can see where you come from with that and we even apply those kind of same solutions just without thinking about it mm-hmm. yes yes and i think you know relating it to creativity um you know we need a creative brain until our until our in through our aging years you know you never want to let go of your creative brain and you want it to be flexible and we teach you know what we call neuroplasticity exercises. And neuroplasticity is a term that um, uh, it describes the brain and the brain's ability to learn and change, you know, until your ending day, you know, here on earth. So we teach these exercises because it's critical uh, for an aging person and and actually just anybody, but even, you know, especially for an aging person to keep their brain sharp and active and flexible um, so they can make, you know, good decisions and age well. And, um, you know, some of those exercises include um, just being creative and problem solving. And, um, you know, if you're at, at an age um, where where you can, um, excuse me, I had an incoming phone call there, um, you know, where you can, uh, um, you know, learn, learn a new language that helps, helps your brain um, traveling, anything that's new. Your brain, you know, has to has to think about and it has to, you know, assess and analyze and and that keeps your brain sharp. And um, then we find ways to um, be creative. And actually, one of those ways is to play, you know, and it sounds weird. But, you know, um, I was listening to a a TED talk and um, a woman was giving information on being creative. and, and, And her number one thing was you need to play. And it's not like playing board games. It's like playing like a child. 
you know, discovering something new, um, being creative, finding problems and solving them in, in like a playful mode. And that is, it's huge for your brain, you know, just, just huge. And, um, I know too, you know, they say, you know, getting out in nature, taking a walk, you do problem solving, you come up with creative ideas. And I was just outside this weekend doing some yard work and just in the matter of, you know, the hour I was out, out there doing yard work, we were trimming trees and raking and burning leaves and such. But, um, I came in to do some work and my mind was clear and I had some clear ideas on some problems I had been thinking about that I needed to solve in my business and how to create some marketing. So um, these these things really do work. Would you I mean, would you say that the, the creativity and inspiration comes from not working or would you say it comes more from um, seeing how seeing your surroundings, so to speak, like because when I because I, I I know I know what you're talking about only because whenever I'm, I have like really bad brain block. For creativity, I generally just walk out to the city for a good two hours and I get and I start catching like uh, just watching how people dress, um, um, what people are eating. I don't know if I like to I like to play around normally and like play a game where I'll look at uh, two people or a person just sitting down and try to make up a story on why they're there. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yes. I think it is. I think it's taking your brain out of one area of focus and putting it into another area of focus. And I think that's why nature is so powerful because um, it's so relaxing. Um, there, you know, nature has a lot of, um, you know, things that are just built into it, you know, like you can go outside and like a lot of times in the summer, I'll be outside like weeding the garden and you can hear um, the locusts, you know, and they have that it's kind of a rhythmical sound, you know, and actually we have a pond in our backyard and um, we get these frogs, you know, the, the, and they, they, you know, they chirp or whatever they do. And again, it's that, um, that, that the way they make these sounds and we're, we may not be like aware of the sounds that we're listening to in nature, but they're there. You know, even the sounds of the birds. And, um, so that, that I think is, it's relaxing. And there's a lot of, um, symmetrical, you know, shapes in nature that you may not be like looking at directly, but they're all around you, you know, and you're, you're taking them in. So I think that, uh, kind of relaxes your brain and takes it out of one focus and puts it into another focus. Um, and it's just like the sleep that we get at night is critical for our thinking skills. And, um, you know, our brain actually takes in information that we learn during the day that we need to retain. And then it get, gets rid of the stuff that we don't need to retain. So that is critical. But again, it, it is a, it's a different environment, you know, that, that our our brain it is so I, I think it's a lot of that the environment like you were talking about um so i have one question on so is an environment filled with stim with uh, stimulating things a better one or like you say nature where it's more soothing and calm because the city is definitely way more stimulant like has a lot more stimulants in in and around than a regular, um, let's just say like the back, the forest in your backyard. Mm -hmm. Yes. Well, I think, I actually think both, um, environments are good for, for the creative, creative brain. I think that, um, every now and then you need some disruption, you know, and, um, I know like the personality, I'm a little bit disruptive. I bring in, you know, new ideas or different ideas or, you know, when somebody will say, well, we do it this way, I always think, well, why can't we do it another way? You know, um, I'm, I think I'm always trying to find a better way to do things, but I am, that's a, it's kind of a disruption. And, um, I know too, when I go to a city, I, I love to be in cities with all that stimulation. And I, it actually relaxes me a lot to be in a very, very big city. And, um, but I get the same effect when I'm out in nature. Um, I also get very, very relaxed. And, um, I think it's, I've read also that it's very important to quiet your brain as a creative and, um, you know, just, uh, like step, step away from everything and unplug. And that's kind of what I do when I paint. I like just unplug from the world. You know, I'm not even sure I have my cell phone around, but I, I get into painting so much that I just get into a flow and that's my creative time. 
And um, so that's, that's one of the ways I, you know, kind of quiet my brain down um, because it does things do can get overwhelming when you're trying to do, you know, three or four different projects, you know, so yeah. I, I would say definitely both environments are, I think they're equally important for the brain because the brain needs novel stimulation or something new, but it also needs to have the quiet. Understood. I totally mm-hmm. understand that because in one hand, I, I totally agree with you that the city, I feel really relaxed in the city for myself. But then whenever you do go out into uh, the countryside or some kind of campgrounds, it's also just as relaxing, just in a different feel. And I think that's the big key. And for me, it's just that feel where if you're in the, if you're in the city, it's fun. It's new as energetic. It's like a kid in candy store, right? That's what I compare it to the most. You're really excited to go to every corner and look at what you don't know. And I feel like countryside feel more like outside feel is more of a, you get to a relax, um, look at the sunset time, uh, mentality. Mm-hmm. And so also what are some of the best ways that you've seen people quiet their brain, because that's um, that's not an easy task. No, <laughs> no, it's not. No. Um, yeah, I think we need. I think one thing we need to do is unplug from the technology, you know, for a, co- a couple times a day. And, you know, I think, you know, I've also been told, you know, don't read your emails till the end of the day. You know, and um, because that that interferes with what you're trying to do and what what you're trying to get done and focus on, it really pulls your your focus away from your work. Um, let's see, I I've also read, you know, or heard some things about being creative. How, um, you know, you just need to get get your hands in, dig your hands in, and 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 kind of just keep working it, you know, working a project, working a, it's, it's sometimes it's almost like a puzzle, you know, and even when I'm painting, sometimes I'll, I'll just keep working my painting until I'm just like, Oh yeah, this is a lot better than, you know, 15 minutes ago when I, when it did, it didn't look quite right, you know, and um, so you just kind of keep adding, adding things on. And or if you're working with clay, you just have to keep molding and molding and, you know, whatever your creative project is, or, or it could be a song you're developing. And um, that's where I think it's important to, you know, to unplug, get away from uh, that stimulation that's constantly pulling your focus away from you and, um, you know, just kind of be pleased with what you're making, you know, um, a couple of I've read and listened to a couple things lately too about um an audience of one and that audience of one to begin with is you as a creative and you have to produce something that 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 is in alignment with you and if you do that and become good at it then when you put it out into the world you will attract the people that um that it resonates with and I think that's where I've been struggling a little bit with trying to find my um, voice in my business. And I've just kept on working it and working it and working it as a creative to find out what what I'm really about and what I want to put out into the world. And um, as I have found that now I'm um, now I'm able to find the people that it resonates with. And when you get to that point, it just really makes you happy because you know that you are not only fulfilling a need in yourself, but you're helping others, you know, that that enjoy your work. No, that that is exactly um, the current phase where I'm at. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. Where I think I've changed like my podcast structure a couple times. I've just, I mean, honestly, I've just recently started interviewing, but I I think I've been at this for almost a year now, I want to say. And this, the audience of one is, is, is a good way to put it as well, where you're just, I mean, do I resonate with my own content, my own creativity? Am I resonating with it? And you get a yes and then a no in your own head. And then the more yeses you get in your own head, I think in my, 
from in my case it's like telling me i'm doing the right thing then uh forming that structure to know that in like you're just you're connecting with your own message to, so when people connect with the message you know exactly why you're connecting that time mm-hmm. yes yes and i think i when i heard someone say you know uh, creators need to hear their own voice loud and clear and yeah when you're a creator and you get to that point where you hear your own voice and it's loud and it's clear and you are you know you're like yeah this is what it is you know you're 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 resonating with it that's i think when you can start to really succeed no i mean I, yes <laughs> That is that I think that's the trick I've been like trying to do for the past couple months, like find out what people like that I'm doing right and pushing it forward and making sure I keep my message across with the creative tone that I'm putting it in and seeing what works. Mm-hmm. Yes, I think feedback is huge. You know, we need feedback. And um, that kind of helps us, you know, with our direction, you know, on where to go next. Now, would you say, I do have, okay, so creatively, when uh, someone has a block, right? Because I just recently had a block this uh, entire, this this weekend, where I had my equipment set up and I, and I just couldn't put anything up. I'm just like, what am I going to talk about? I don't even know. Mm. I just kind of just stared at my mic the entire time. So creatively speaking would you say that um canceling out your brain and what else is a good tactic to like be able to uh beat the uh, the creative block yeah well um i don't know if it kind of if you get to a point like that where you're you know just not knowing what to say and you know i would um probably start making a list of things um just kind of uh getting out a pen and a paper and just kind of starting to write you know almost in a freestyle type of way and you know maybe like what's important to me right now or what message do i want to get out to my audience you know or what what's bothering me right now what do what do i need to what problem do i need to solve um and just start you know like this free free freestyle type of writing that um, where you just start you know getting the ideas to flow and um, then once the ideas do start to flow maybe grab on to a couple of the ideas and start to expand on those and build those out you know as talking points um, but I, I think that would be one way to do it and again if you're really stuck I would leave the room leave the space get out maybe go outdoors and actually maybe even go play you know play find something to play with you know i mean you know, i know we're not kids anymore but um sometimes people like to tinker with something like you know like even some maybe you know tinker with your an engine in a car or something like that or you know like i said i like to paint i like to garden you know i dig in the dirt i i love to uh, work with flowers and um so that's probably where i would escape to just to start you know um, you know, thinking of some ideas that I might be able to share with others. Um, cause it's really been incredible. Sometimes I'll go on a walk and I'll write a story in my head or write, write an article in my head and then I'll get home and I'll just start taking notes really fast about what I thought about and how I solved this problem on my walk. So I think it does take that. It takes getting away and, um, maybe even doing a little something physical you know like like the walking okay no i mean would you say the walking and moving just kind of takes away the physical stress of of you put yourself in when you go through the creative process Mm -hmm. yeah i I think it does yeah i i do i i I think um yeah it it uh you know that that physical work um plays into your to your uh, brain it's um what i would call it's the kinesthetic intelligence and i work with um people i i help them find their strengths and weaknesses by using um this uh, multiple intelligence theory and one of the intelligences is kinesthetic or or it's also called proprioception and you have those um sensors in your muscles and in your joints and when you move um that tells your tells your brain where you are in space so it's really important to get get moving every day to keep that sensory system very very sharp you know so i I would say that um 
movement is good for the brain. It's feeding the brain. And um, I think the more that we feed the brain, the more that, um, you know, we're just more alive, you know. And um, that's kind of the worst part of being sometimes being a creative is you just like to work on projects all the time and um you you can go into a depression if you don't balance you know get your life balanced because um we're so i know as a creative sometimes i'm so intent on creating that that's all all i do all day long and um sometimes you know some days are really bad it's just like gosh i'm i'm down on myself i'm depressed i'm i'm not making the progress i want to make so I think balance is very important and um we you know that those those are the times when we know we need to step away every day and do something a little bit different. Very true. Now can I I would like to ask what what really got you into this field of work? Like what inspired you to like chase this kind of work down? Um well, I was first inspired um to be a physical therapist um because I always always wanted to help people. Actually, from a very young age, I can just remember being very um, interested in people, you know, and, um, you know, and especially like people's emotions and people, you know, you know, what they did, why they did things. And, and um, if something went bad in their life, you know, I, I was always analyzing like, you know, their emotional state and things like that. I just remember that from a very young age. And then um, I, in high school, I really got interested in, in medicine and, and um, like m- the medical field. So I put those two things together and I came up with physical therapy. So I went to school for that. But um, later, I, I really wanted to pursue more creative skills and art. And I wanted to express my um, thoughts to the world on, you know, how to, um, you know, kind of become kind of build up your body, brain and spirit to its highest level. And then when I came across the group therapy, I was, was just like, yeah, this is really works for people. So that's when I um, kind of worked on that uh, a four step method, which I call experience because it's it's about experiences at every age. And um, then I just wanted to share it with others. And so that's why that's why I'm pursuing this uh, kind of a creative entrepreneurial adventure right now. And um, yeah, it's it's been enjoyable. It's been a nice change. No, no, I do got a question for group for group therapy and everything. Um, do you strictly do it in person or do you do it virtually? Um, well. I've always done it in person. And um, unfortunately, when the pandemic hit, we had to um, get rid of groups. You know, we couldn't we couldn't put the patients together in groups. So I think that the groups are coming back soon with the vaccinations and things like that. But um, I've always done it, um, uh, you know, face to face with people. Um, Right now, I'm, I'm encouraging people to get on zoom you know calls and be in groups and and i'm telling them also you know once we're able to get back into our groups you know please do so because um it's so vital for your health and um i mean there's there have been studies that show face-to-face interactions are like the number one thing that is responsible for your longevity are the face-to-face interactions and they've done studies over in italy uh where um you know in these mountainous towns where um, you know, people are living, you know, well into their hundreds and they're, you know, have that like the largest percent of centurions in some of these towns and they're studying why people are living so long. And, and a lot of it is because um, of what they call weak ties. And that's not your real strong ties, like your family connections, but it's more the weak ties, like um, the people you see every day in, in the community, like you might, you know, like the grocery store clerk or, or the librarian or the postman or you know and and you make connections with these people and um it, they they help you um kind of they really help you succeed in life which it's kind of a crazy crazy notion but um a lot of times from your weak highs you get very very valuable information you know and it even could be a a new job or you know the best place to go shopping in town or whatever but um yeah they're finding out uh, weak weak ties are extremely important for our for our health and well-being that that does that does sound very much like uh, that sounds very logical. I would say in that sense. Mm-hmm. 
because being in a big family coming coming from a big family definitely um are used to being around a lot of people and i think that was like the big at the beginning part the hardest part of the pandemic for I honestly thought I was uh, someone who just didn't like being around people, but mm. now I'm like, yo, uh, yeah, I could definitely be around more people right now, oh, like mm. over long periods yeah. of time. Oh, yes. And just, uh, just as the pandemic has shown a lot of things, and for me personally, it's just been it's been a blessing because it pushed me to create more, uh, create, be more creative. And it's, I guess, been a curse because I'm just now, like, yearning for more in, uh, face-to-face interaction now. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm. Yes. Yeah. Have, have you found that you've been more creative during the pandemic? Um. Yeah. I've definitely been more creative in the pandemic because I, cause I couldn't tend to my other coping mechanisms for whenever something went wrong, which would just be like, just take a walk or do something else. Or a big thing I normally do is just go to the movies. And this allowed me to like, just focus in my, uh, uh, my creativity on just starting to create and move something forward. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. Have you, um, how has been, has the pandemic been good for you or have you just been like developing more, more ideas for your, uh, your, uh, groups? Yes. Well, yeah, it has been, you know, it, it, I guess it's actually been okay because, um, I, I started to leave my physical therapy job in my clinical settings, like my, the nursing homes I was in, like in December of 2019. So when the pandemic hit and, in 2020, I was ready to step out of that, you know, clinical world. And so it really hasn't had that much of an effect on me. Um, I, I am, you know, I'm getting lonely and I miss my, my children or, you know, I've got one child in New York, one in Los Angeles and one in Minneapolis. And it's been really difficult to see them, you know, this last year. So, um, that's been a real, I think the hardest thing on me is not seeing my children. You know, I love being with my family, but, um, I was also able to, um, pick up a new, a little bit of a new skill, which I actually worked on my own neuroplasticity. And I started um, trading stocks last year. And uh, when the market fell in March, I started trading. And so I taught myself how to trade stocks and um, try to get good at it um, in the, you know, in, in 2020. And the market was really good. So um, it was kind of a no brainer. It was kind of easy, something easy and I could do it. And um, so that filled up my life while I was trying to get this business off the ground. So um, I must say that, no, I've, I've been okay during the pandemic, but um, I'm really looking forward to getting back, you know, together with my family and friends. And um, I definitely miss that. That's, that, that's, uh, I definitely feel that because you just want to get back and see them, hug them and everything and spend the same amount of time you would spend with them originally. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. And, yeah. and I will say that, I mean, just on my end, uh, my end, it's been, it's helped me creatively and it's also hindered me creatively mm. where like it gave me the drive to start. But then because I do rely on a lot of pop culture and everything, it's kind of just like, it, I've kind of just have to like come up with like different angles on the same topic sometimes. And that, it's been it's been a challenge creatively, but in a positive way. Where it's consecutively me just seeing what I can get from something, not just the mm-hmm. first, not just the first side. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can see where you you know that I can see where you would really have to do a lot of problem solving, you know, during that time, with, which is good for your brain. That's good for your brain. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So do you? I mean longevity wise for for creativity would you say that what what is the best way for a long like if some a creative person's trying to create something a project for a long time what's a good way to keep it going um let's see i i do have some suggestions that um i just actually uh wrote a post for um, one of my social media accounts that I've talked about creativity and it really is a muscle that needs to be exercised over the, over the 
you know, your whole lifespan. And I know I tell people in my field, you know, I tell people that if you want to go in, you know, as you're aging and if you need to go into assisted living or another living situation, you know, you really want to go in being the boss. You don't want to go in and have everybody make decisions for you. So the best way to be the boss is to start now, you know, in your younger age or middle age and, um, work on your brain flexibility. And one way you can do that is to take risks. And um, you can take little risks every day, and they don't have to be tremendous risks. And you don't want to hurt yourself, you know, or you don't want to lose all your money, or you don't want to physically hurt yourself or mentally. But um, you can take little risks that challenge your brain, um, and you will end up in your older life being the boss you know, the boss of your life. And that's really, really important. You do not want to lose that. And um, another thing that's been researched is you need to change your perspective, you know, change your outlook on things, uh, take a topic and, you know, go and research it and research it all in all different ways. You know, how do artists look at this topic? How does the economy look at the topic? How does the physical medicine look at this topic? You know, and, and look at all the different ways that um, this topic affects the world and, and learn about it and maybe shift your perspective a little bit. Um, and then, you know, practice creativity skills. Um, art is actually an excellent way to um to uh, actually improve your health. When you partake in fine art or, or any type of art, it could even be arts and crafts, um, you will lower your anxiety. You'll be able to process and express your emotions. And um, you can also share experiences with people. So um, that that's one way to one way to do that. And you need to dare to to create. You'll Sometimes you almost have to dare yourself. And that's when I have a day, like I was trying to do like two paintings a day uh, for, and I did that for a while, but I had to dare myself to get started again. You know, I had the paints, I had the canvases and um, I, I was painting with paint brushes, which was fine, but I wanted to learn how to paint with those palette knives. So I, I bought some palette knives and um, I just dared myself. I said, see what you can make, see what you can do with this paint. And, um, I actually have 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 tremendous fun when I'm doing this, you know. So those are ways that um, you can keep your brain creative throughout your lifetime. And you need to be on the lookout for opportunities and unexpected connections. Um, you know, uh, kind of, you know, have an exploratory and kind of a, a uh, cure. Don't lose your curiosity. Have a curiosity about you and ask questions like, why? You know, why does that work that way? Or why do you think that way? Or, you know, um, why, why is this happening this way? You know, kind of be curious about situations. And again, that keeps your brain strong as you age. So I guess I, that's how hopefully I'm answering that question, but that is a way to, you know, keep your creativity going throughout your whole age. For that, throughout your whole life. No, no, you definitely answered the question. And I mean, the brain is a muscle, so you have to flex it. You have to get, you have to work it a, a little bit so it, it remembers, like, you know, what it needs to be doing. I, that's definitely something I think. Cause if, for me, if I don't, um, if I'm not creating something, then I like, I tend to fall out of like the cycle of like my own creating of my own stuff that's why i even if i can shoot five episodes in a week i won't because it's the act as well it's the process that i really do have to get into to like make it all work yeah i think that's an important point is you do have to have that process going and you have to keep practicing and practicing and um you know and ex exploring that that route yeah I, uh, that's a very important point. And I mean, I mean, I would have to say that the the bet the funnest times are when, as you said, you take a risk, you you push the bound the boundaries of new and exciting uh, ventures in your own creativity. Like, like for me, it's adding like an extra day, like every an extra episode every week, because I'm planning to do that as well. And it's not too much pressure because I know I do everything, but it's just challenging yourself to become better at your own craft. Mm -hmm.
Yes, yes, I um, I just so agree with that. Yes, and just yeah, finding ways to do that. Maybe like with me, I I got I got on a painting like a oh it was a Facebook page. It was a fa- painting challenge, you know. So I did that, and I know I could learn more. I know I'm not going to really pursue, um, you know, uh, a, a high degree or a high level of painting skills. And, and that's fine with me. Um, it's more more of a hobby. But, but I definitely um, find things that will, uh, you know, challenge me, do a little risk taking there and um, maybe even make some more connections with people. You know, and again, that's your weak ties, you know, that you learn from. And that really, really enhance your life in ways you might might not even expect. That's that's totally true. Like taking all your experiences, your risks, and you appreciate everything you do have versus what you don't have, and it allows you. It, it, for me, I'm not sure for you, but it allows me to sober, be sober about what I've accomplished without getting too arrogant or without feeling like I didn't accomplish enough. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes, that, that's a great point. Yeah. So one question for you. Would you say that becoming, uh, be, doing the group therapies and so on, I'm a, do you plan to expand how you do them? Or uh, like, creatively speaking, when you do these group therapies, are you just going into them as the creative process and improvement or like as a scientific scientific route where it's once you get it, you get it? Mm-hmm. Well, a um, couple answers there. Um, and one is that to do this group therapy that I teach, because um, let me just back up here a minute. There's I teach that there's two types of group therapy. Now, the first one is that where you get a group of people together and they all do the same exercise. And it's kind of like following the leader, you know, like, okay, we're going to do some bicep curls, you know, now. So we all do it together, you know. Now, the group therapy I teach involves um, therapeutic activities. And there have been studies showing that um, therapeutic activities, actually, the brain responds faster to those in rehabilitation. So if you're working to um, get, get the, you know, the function back in your arm, instead of just going through the exercise, you know, you'd have to go through this exercise like 400 times to learn the skill. Or you could do it through what we call therapeutic activities, or you could even call this a, a, a child's work would be play, and we call it therapeutic activities. Um, you would have to do that same repeti- repetition, say like 10 to 12 times versus 400. So there's a lot of power in group um like therapeutic activities. Uh, but the therapist that is doing this has to be creative and flexible. Um, it's not for somebody that wants to get things done in a very like systematic and rote way. Uh, you have to be uh, willing as the group moves and changes, you have to be willing to move and change with it. And you have to um, take advantage of these times when uh, people might bring up a topic and you then you want to expand on this topic and, and bring it into your therapy and, and make a therapeutic point, you know, and it might be, um, you might be talking about transitions. Like in my painting group, um, we talk about Picasso and how Picasso went through several transitions in his life. He had the melancholy paintings and then the, they were kind of blue and gray. And then he had the rose colored paintings, which were more rosy and cheery, you know, and then he went into the, um, I think he had an African element in his painting. And then he, discovered um oh i'm not gonna be able to think of where, but, um his his like geometric paintings and he actually discovered that with another painter and brought that into the art artistic world so he had many many different periods in his life he never gave up art he was an artist from his younger years up until the time he he passed away and so you know we, we teach these things to our patients but you have to be creative and flexible and keep moving with the group as as they as they move along. 
And um, one of the best ways to be a good educator is to set up an experience for a group of people and then, um, you know, don't don't have any outcomes tied to it. Just let let them experience, experience it and learn from it and have an outcome. So um, I know I'm getting kind of, you know, a little deeper into these um, topics. But yeah, the group therapy um, as a therapist, you have to be flexible, creative. And um, just keep the the group moving and growing and, 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 you know, moderate the group, but also provide for these exceptional experiences, which um, the patients learn from and grow from. And um, so, yeah, I was going to say that that's one 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 answer to your question. And um, actually, I kind of forgot my other answer. It was it was more um, technical on um on the side of uh, you know I actually wasn't sure I'm not sure where I was going to go with that other answer I'm sorry it's okay it's okay <laughs> I mean no what what you're saying makes a lot of sense like what you're saying makes a lot of sense because in because I asked the question because I don't come from that background and a lot of people who looks at therapy and all the and all like the medical field of it's like a science thing and it's interesting to hear like the creative side you put it the the extra juice so to speak right? mm-hmm. and it's the it it's the same thing I put for my podcast where it's like extra juice like the go go with the waves and and everything like that and it's something very universal to all creative people and it's something that i really love about the creative creative process is the it's that flexibility that flexibility really is what um i love about creating because you're never it, you're never right at the same time and it allows you to grow into the a better artist um it allows you to go into your profession better than you were the next day it gives you like that short-term growth as the Plus the long term. Mm-hmm. And it is something that I find very, uh, 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 I'm, I'm like losing words right now for whatever reason. <laughs> mm-hmm. But it's very, uh, not a comedy. It makes you feel very proud of what you're able to pull off when you do it. Once you get that breakthrough, that's what I'm really aiming mm-hmm. for. That breakthrough mm-hmm. when it hits and you finally hit your stride, that, that's that, uh, open-mindedness that flex that flexible that flexibleness is where you really that that's that process mm-hmm. yes and i i think that's where um too as a therapist you have to see this you know that you know you might have certain a, a certain group even within your group they're working on um, leg exercises like i know uh, one of my favorite groups is to have people decorate a room and we used to decorate the dining room in this nursing home and we had people standing up and they were blowing up these balloons that they were attached to a pump that um you know you had to pump it it was on the floor the pump was on the floor and you had to step on the pump to pump up the balloon you know and it it's very tiring. I mean, even when I showed people how to do it, you know, you do about 10 repetitions and you're like, wow, this is, this is work, you know? So anyway, they're doing that. And then another group within this dining room, they're um, tying the balloons together with, with ribbons and because we're going to hang them up from, you know, from the lighting fixtures or wherever. And, you know, we have others that are, are putting streamers up, you know, it's, we're, we're decorating for some holiday like Valentine's Day or, or, um, St. Patrick's Day or, or something like that. So, you know, we're, um, and we're like reaching up and, and putting, um, oh, the sticky things on the windows, you know, the, the clingy decorations and, you know, just things like that. You, so you have the whole group involved in different activities and then you bring the group together and you know have them sit in a circle and and do more you know exercises or we might even bring out a balloon and have people you know bat it to each other and and count as they're doing that and um sometimes we'll throw in a little game like um you know uh tell tell everybody your favorite candy bar you know, and so people say their favorite candy bar. And then, you know, that's something that they remember the next week when everybody gets together, you know, and we ask them, well, do you remember, you know, everyone's favorite candy bar? And so that, that we bring in a little bit of a memory 
skill. You know, people have to use their brains to remember things. And um, so it's just it just builds itself, you know, on each other every week. Uh, people are, are growing. They're you know, growing like physically, mentally and also spiritually, because as you, you know, if you're having fun and you are um, enjoying yourself and working hard and accomplishing something that really adds to your spirit, you know, you feel good about yourself. And so um, really, I think group therapy all the way around is a very, very, um, you know, complex, but it's very, um, you know, I mean, there, there's just so many health benefits to it. And the research is out there now. I mean, like when I started this about 15 years ago, we didn't have the research to back it up. And now we're starting to get all this research on what face-to-face interactions do for people, you know. And to me, that's so exciting because, you know, what, what we get to see in therapy is actually, you know, this is all research-based and um, it's just so beneficial for people. And that's why I do want to encourage people to stay in your groups, get back together in the groups that you were in, and maybe even start forming some new groups to be in, um, you know, post-pandemic when we can all get together again. Um, it's, it's just super powerful. No, that, that, that's very, that's very true. Like, um, what she, what she is saying, human interactions is a key to us and how we thrive and succeed in, 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 in everyday life. Uh, jobs, podcasting, I guess in my case, and everything else is just a lot of it comes on human interaction. And I love this conversation we're having. We could probably go for a couple more hours, of, I, I bet, if, if I asked the right questions. But mm-hmm. uh, uh, we are at the hour. And would you like anything else to say? Like your last words? Yeah, uh, well, I just would like to say, too, if um. If anybody wants to get a hold of me for, um, you know, if you are a therapist and you would like to learn more about how to put, you know, a group therapy, a group therapy together, you know, I teach a course on allied health education. It's a three hour course and it's, it's called group therapy, the why, the what and the how to create an impactful group therapy treatment. And I also have a live, um, six hour course that I teach and you can get a hold of me, um, on my website. It's um, www.teresamur.com, and um, my name is spelled T-E-R-E-S-A-M-O-E-R-E-R, and uh, you can get a hold of me, and I will tell you when the next uh, live uh, webinar is, and um, my book is on um, Amazon.com, and it's The Art of Assisting Aging Parents, so um, I do coaching, consulting, and uh, speaking, and I love to teach people about group therapy, and I love to teach businesses on how they could even um, incorporate that into their um, you know, into their corporation to have a wonderful, wonderful outcomes. And I want to thank you for having me today, Glenn. I really enjoyed our conversation. No, I I thoroughly enjoyed it. It was enlightening, and you put words to things that I knew I was going through, but you definitely put the words to it, which help out a lot. And I would definitely would definitely have all your information in the description, so it'd be easy for everyone to find you. And it was just a great time to share with you. Thank you so much. I I enjoyed this. Thank you. If you ever want to come back on, uh, you're always welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you.